I have to, to talk about facts because I think it's important. I think that they are, they are nervous because we are at the top of the table. I will love it if we beat them. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Rounds Recap. I'm delighted to be joined by James Pierce. James is a journalist who covers football. He is a writer for The Athletic in the UK and is specialising in Liverpool FC and all things in relation to the club. So first and foremost, James, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Richie. Yeah, how are you? Not bad, not bad. I don't want to get into the generic lockdown chat, but as good as one can be during these times. But um, no, can't complain. Uh, plenty of sport to chat about and get into, so we might as well do what we hopefully uh, know best at. So obviously there's crazy amount of things happening, especially in the footballing world. That's definitely keeping you busy and everyone involved in the, the football community. But to focus on the club I support and the club you specialise in, Liverpool, it's obviously been a spectacular come down from the heroic two or three year period that we had for such a long time. I'd, without getting drawn into obviously the last week or two, which has been obviously a really big part of the, the season and it's going to be a big narrative going forward. Like, what has your view been on the season? Because like a lot of people look at Liverpool after October, November, at one stage in the bookies, they're one to two to win the league. And then we know what happened from there. Is it as simple as saying we got absolutely destroyed with injuries or is there more than meets the eye? Yeah, I think it's a whole multitude of factors, really. I think you you can't get away from the injuries. I know, um, you know, I know, I know rival fans will always say, oh, yeah, you know, you know, injuries happen. You've got to have a squad to be able to cope with it. But I think, you know, first and foremost, you have to say, you know, regardless of, you know, how poor Liverpool have been at times, that it is unprecedented to suffer three seasoning and ending injuries to your three front frontline centre halves. I mean, I've I've never known anything quite like that. And um, yeah, as if losing Virgil Van Dijk wasn't bad enough, to then lose Joe Gomez and Joel Matip in such quick succession hurt Liverpool. Um, but I don't I don't think you can just put it down to injuries. I think you know, even going back to last summer, I think it was. It was definitely a gamble, not properly replacing, or well, certainly not directly replacing Dayan Lovren when he went to Zenit. Um, you know, it's not just the benefit of hindsight. You know, I, I wrote and said many times before the ball was kicked that it just felt that Liverpool were a centre back short, and and you know, in fact, they probably ended up two centre back short. So, um, so yeah, that was that was an issue, and I think just the whole the whole balance and structure of the team has just been. You know, decimated really because you know those those injuries, and then you know, especially someone like Tiago. You know, you, when you re- rewind to September and all the hype and excitement surrounding his arrival, um, you know, I've got a lot of sympathy for him in terms of not being able to live up to those expectations because you know the, he, he was on the receiving end of that horrendous challenge from Richarlison that kept him out for the best part of three months. Then you know, Jota was absolutely flying. Then he gets an injury and a you know. A, Every, you know, a dead rubber against Mid- Midland, Midland, and suddenly, you know, you lose him for three months, and you know, having to play Fabino and Henderson out of position at centre half, you know, all these things are very, very disruptive. And then, I mean, I also just think the whole 
for a team that's not been used to losing, I think they've struggled to handle the the mental side of suffering so many setbacks because um, you know to lose six in a row at Anfield, you know the fact that you know that's something they're not even you know as bad as Liverpool were when I think back to my lifetime under Hodgson or under Sooners, you know they never even came close to doing that then. So um, yeah, it has been a crazy season where pretty much anything that possibly could have gone wrong has done. You look at the crisis of confidence in terms of the goals drying up for Mane and Firmino as well. Um, so, yeah, I think probably like a lot of Liverpool supporters, I'm just looking forward to the day when, you know, in a few weeks' time when we draw a line under this season. Yeah, no, here to that. But um, obviously there's still football to be played and top four places to be decided. So we'll, uh, we'll stay glued to that. And a debate that I have seen, it's knee-jerk, and don't get me wrong, James, like I'm not... I'm the last person who will be suggesting Klopp isn't the right guy to, you know, lead Liverpool forward. Like I, I've been to Anfield myself. I've seen the the great nights. I was even at the Barcelona game, the Dortmund game. Like I've seen, I've seen what Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool represents in the best moments. And unfortunately, this year I've seen it at the worst. But obviously, there's other circumstances. But at what stage? Because as you refer to there, like even a man management point of view, why was Jota playing in that Champions League game that led to the injury? You ask a lot of people just say his over-reliance on the 4-3-3 formation has kind of resulted in just the same outcome and outcome. And then also just some people are just question sometimes selection as to why Henderson and say Fabinho were playing centre-back week after week and yet then finally Fabinho does get given the opportunity through maybe injuries to play in his defensive midfield role and it's the first game back Jurgen Klopp saying he's the best defensive midfielder in the world at it so is there an element where you think Jurgen Klopp I'm not going to say being exposed because he's he's past the point of being able to be exposed but do you think he has to shoulder a bit of the blame or do you think it's just a complete write off where recruitment injuries was the main cause of it No no I don't I don't think the manager should escape scrutiny 100% I think um but I th- I think if I was making a long list of of reasons behind this season I still think um Klopp would be pretty low down I I just think Everything has conspired against him, and you're, you're right. That, you know, there's certainly been times when I think selection-wise, um, you know, he's made big shouts that haven't come off. Um, you know, you, you think about, you know, having to haul off Naby Keita in the, the first half against Real Madrid. Yeah, I think there's been exactly. a lot. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of times when his substitutes, his substitutions haven't positively impacted games when they've actually made Liverpool worse rather than better. Um, you know, I think he was probably a little bit too slow to to really back Nat Phillips. I think, you know, there was almost a sense for a while that it was, you know, yes, we could probably get away with Nat Phillips against, you know, a team that's going to go long and it's all about winning headers. But, you know, can we trust him when the ball's on the deck and potentially having to face a bit of pace, um, which I think Phillips has been, you know, has been in a bleak season, been one of the real highlights. I must admit, you know, he's, you know, I, I had no idea he could perform consistently to a, the kind of level that he has done for Liverpool. Um, so, so yeah, I think, but I, but I think when when you then take a step back, you actually think, well, actually, also Klopp has been let down. I think by a lot of players who have fallen a long way short of of the standards that Klopp should be entitled to expect from them this season. Um, you know, there aren't too many in that squad. You know, despite all the issues that that have affected them, that can honestly put their hand up and say, yeah, do you know what? I've 
I've I've performed to a level that I'm really really proud of on a consistent basis this season. Um, and, and of course Klopp, you know, he's he's an absolute iconic figure, isn't he, in Liverpool's history already for being the man that you know won the sixth European Cup, ended the thirty year wait for a Premier League title. So you know even even when things were at their absolute worst, you know, a couple of months back, you know, it was the idea that his position should be under any scrutiny at all was absolutely ludicrous in terms of, you know, whether whether you'd even think about a change because, you know, this is a guy with so much credit in the bank. Um, you know, m- my only concern at one point was, you know, uh, uh, whether, whether you know, after so many things going wrong that he, that he may, you know, w- walk away. But, um, you know, I think... What soon became absolutely crystal clear to me was that, you know, rather than it going that way, it actually went the other way for Klopp. I think it made him even more determined to 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 stay and put things right because, um, yeah, it's it's cruel. I think in a way as well the fact that, you know, the fact that Anfield has been, you know, pretty much pretty much empty for what does it now getting on for fourteen months, um, you know that that's another big factor as well. And again, I know other rival fans will say well you know it's the same for everyone but it's it's not the same for everyone because not everyone gets to play at Anfield every other week and um and, and especially I think in tough times as much as in the good ones that's when you really need the fans right behind you and I think without without that it's it's been difficult for Liverpool this season so um yeah I, I've got no doubt that Liverpool will come come again under Klopp I think you know there, there definitely is some work to be done in the window this summer I don't think it's as simplistic as saying the return of Van Dijk just solves just solves just solves everything. But um, yeah, Klopp is still the man for Liverpool. I've got no doubt about that. Yeah, no, and as I said, I agree. I don't want listeners think that you know I want someone in to replace him. But I think it is it is important, and most rival fans will tell us to jog on. But I think until you've even been to Anfield yourself. Like even as you said, even in bad times, I remember going to some games. I remember the Chelsea two nil back in Torres Gerrard's days when we were under Hodgson and we were absolutely atrocious that season. Yet that game, I remember the atmosphere being one of the best atmospheres, and we played them off the park, even though we were way way behind from a quality point of view. And I suppose the last thing I'd want to chat about just about Liverpool is, as you said, you expect a big summer. You we obviously know that the likes of Henderson, Van Dijk. Gomez, Matip, etc., will return. But do you think it's important that number one, Liverpool get their recruitment right? Or on the flip side of that, is it more important that Klopp realizes the likes of maybe Firmino, Mane, etc.? Does he need to have a long, hard think about them and say, can they bounce back, or do I need to actually start phasing them out? Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of big decisions for Klopp to make this summer, and I think t- to a degree that a lot of them are kind of on hold at the moment, not knowing what Liverpool's fate is regarding Europe for next season. I think you know you've almost now got to probably plan for the the fact that you're going to miss out on the riches of the Champions League. Um, you know, barring you know a pretty miraculous turnaround, I think. Yeah. You, when, you, when you look at the fixtures, I think you know Liverpool are probably going to have to win their last five, and and even then that might not be enough. Um, and, and of course, when you look at the, the financial figures, you know if Liverpool do miss out on the top four, then that will have a you know that will have a detrimental impact on what he can do in in the window. So, and I, I just think it will then lead to having to prioritise certain areas 
over others. So, um, so yeah, I think you know we we know that uh, Kanate from from Leipzig is the kind of the top defensive target that, that they've um, kind of pinpointed as someone they they believe could come in and, and improve things. Um, you know, of course, he has to decide whether what he does with Quebec in terms of whether they trigger that option. Um, you know, it's I, I've been told they're only likely to make one kind of major defensive signing this summer. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just think it's a bit of an awkward situation that for Klopp defensively because he's got to, he, it's okay to say, yeah, well, I've got Van Dijk, Gomez and Matip all coming back. But we've seen it time and time again with players who come back from serious injuries. You know, it, just because they're back, it doesn't mean that they're going to be back to the, anywhere near the level that they were at before quickly, you know, it can take a, it can take a long time. And also it's, you know, it's very common for players who have who've come back after long injuries to then pick up small little muscle injuries as well. So I, I think Liverpool have to be well stocked at centre back going into next season. I think he's got, he's got some big decisions to make with his midfield. You know, you talk about, you know, who he should offload. I think, you know, you look at Cato, you look at Oxley chamberlain you look at Shakiri. Um, you know their contribution over the course of this season has been pretty minimal. Um, but you know the other thing is, I think it's going to be difficult to get command decent fees for players like that this summer. So you know that might that might end up saving them. Um, and then you know of course in midfield you've got the likelihood of Wijnaldum. You know unless he can uh, quickly agree a compromise over. The new contract that he's turned down, then you know you're going to have to replace Genie Wijnaldum because you know you look at the sheer number of minutes he plays, and then you know I I, I think a, a real important thing this summer is bringing in another goal scoring option because um, you know I, I still think Mane will be back. I think I've, I I I look at Sadio Mane and I just think he's just going through a real bad spell, but I don't I don't look at Sadio Mane and think you know he's finished. I think mm. I, I I think he's just you know, he's he's been so good for so long. Um, you know, it was only what probably eighteen months ago that you had Lionel Messi voting him as his, his world player of the year. You know, that was that was the kind of level he was performing at week in, week out. Um so Mane will be back. But I do worry about Firmino. I just think I think you know, I think a lot not just the goal scoring, but the other facets of Firmino's game have dropped off alarmingly for me. Um and you know, I, I don't think I don't think we've reached the point where Klopp will look to move him on. But I think I just think you know, his game time is going to have to be reduced. I just don't think you know you can you can count on him week in week out. And yes, Jota has been great in his first season, but I still think yeah, you do need another option. And that's why I, you know the, the the most sensible thing and you know what I would expect to happen is them to look to move Divock Origi on. Um, you know, they would have sold Divock Origi back in January if. If a decent offer had been tabled, so um, yeah, I think I think selling a Rigi and, and bringing in a, a you know a higher caliber centre forward who can who can offer some potency and just offer something different because I think um, yeah you know it's you know wastefulness in the final third has hurt Liverpool probably just as much as injuries this season. Yeah, no, and I agree, and I think with even Firmino, I I don't think any fans want him to leave because I think there is definitely a huge amount of quality, but like if you look at the other teams we're trying to compare ourselves to, Firmino is that type of player who would start some games, but ultimately also be an option on a bench compared to, as you mentioned there, maybe a Divock Origi um, who would maybe be a step down again in, in kind of quality. And 
I suppose. And it was one of the things I was brought up and one of the questions sent on. Since there's such a shortage of like top, top goal scorers, like when you think of all the top strikers, they're either bad age profile or else when you look at the Hallands, the the Canes, etc., they nearly seem out of reach financially. So like, do you think there's a viable option out there, whether it's in England or even Europe, that you know Liverpool have their eye on, or have you heard anything? No, I must admit at the moment it's been pretty quiet in terms of um, of, of kind of names that are serious options on a shortlist. I mean, we know that um, you know he's not a centre forward, but Ismail Assar was was on the shortlist a year ago when um, you know they, they they did try and negotiate a deal with Watford for him. Um, Watford's demands were so great that they decided to turn their attention to, to Jota instead. So, um, so no, it's, it, it's pretty quiet at the moment on that front. I, and, and I think it probably probably linked to the fact that I think Liverpool will probably be shopping in kind of different different uh, different levels depending on how the end of this season goes because, um, yeah, you're probably looking at a, you know, 50, 60 million pound difference of being in the top four and not being in the top four. Um, so, um, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's certainly one to keep an eye on, but no, at the moment, um, you know, yeah, no real names in terms of striking options. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. To move on, I could be fairly remissive of me not to mention it. And like, it's, it's the talk of the town still. And to be honest, the first time I've knownly not watched a Liverpool game was that Leeds United game there not too long ago out of pure, just disgust and anger. And a few of my friends supporting Arsenal, etc. They did the same. They just were so angry about what had transpired, and they felt betrayed. Nearly that's across all clubs. Uh, some have taken it differently to others. The kind of perception I get, and it's not so much I want to focus on Liverpool, like United. You know what's happened there. People have stepped down from their roles. There's been demands for change with Liverpool. There was obviously the video statement out. There's different circumstances going on. I suppose the Two questions I have for you is number one, like, is there still that real anger, bitterness kind of traveling around the English footballing community at the moment? And then also secondly, to follow on from that, like, is this idea of like this Super League, is that going to linger now for quite a while now since they've made kind of their their play and it got shot down? But like, is that actually the end of it? Yeah, well, I think first of all, there's definitely anger still lingers i don't i don't think that's going to go anywhere go away any any time soon i think um you know a, a lot of the liverpool fans that i've spoke to over the past you know week to 10 days feel feel very let down by by fsg in terms of um the fact that there was just you know zero zero consultation before they signed john w henry signed up to this this um Super League and um, yeah, and I think you know I, I feel very sorry really for a lot of the good people I know who work for Liverpool Football Club as well because it just seems bizarre that you employ you know that knowledge and expertise and then don't even bother asking them for their opinion and then it, it was presented to to staff as you know this is happening just to let you know, you know this this will be coming out on on Sunday evening so um, it was a bizarre. You know, and and damaging forty eight hours where, um, mm. yeah, I just I just couldn't quite believe. You know, it's you know it's been talked about for a long, long time, and we knew, you know, we knew that that of course a super league was attractive to people like the Glazers and John W Henry because 
you know, you know, they're they're coming at it from a completely different viewpoint, aren't they? They're coming at it from the viewpoint of American sports, where you know it's you know it's it's franchises and it's it's guaranteed levels of income. There's no promotion, there's no relegation, there's no real jeopardy. You know, you're guaranteed. You know that that, that X number of games and and you know and and obviously, I guess with with the da- increasing danger that Liverpool were going to miss out on the Champions League. You know, coupled with the the financial impact of the pandemic, you know that obviously led John W. Henry to decide that the time was right to to do this. But um, yeah, he just he badly, badly misjudged the mood. And um, yeah, this is on a whole different level to you know the other mistakes they've made with the planned ticket price increases and mm. attempts to furlough staff and trying to you know trademark the name Liverpool and even Project Big Picture with you know which was a, a you know a pretty shameless attempt at power grabbing back in October, November time, you know, this, this was different in terms of, um, you know, I think in terms of very difficult to come back from completely. I think you know, that FSG's legacy will be damaged by this, you know, regardless of what happens going forward. Um, I, I think, you know, the, if they're serious about trying to build bridges and, and regain trust, then they have to start listening a lot more. And I know the supporters groups have, have come out, in, in you know calling for fan representation on the board and Billy Hogan the CEO has now written to the supporters groups and, and said he's willing to meet them and, and discuss it and it'll be intriguing to see where it goes from there because um yeah I, I think you know it's you know if if they are you know the, the, you know I think words you know people will debate how genuine Henry's apology was well you know for me the proof will be in what comes next you know in terms of you know whether whether they do it does lead to much greater engagement with supporters before they make decisions like this and in terms of whether the super league's dead i think i mean it's it's very very difficult to see from a you know the perspective of any of the big english clubs that those owners could possibly you know try and go back and try it again in the in the next few years i mean mm. i know perez in in spain has been talking about how it's just on hold and but I think it's different, isn't it, for the Spanish clubs? Because, you know, both Real Madrid and Barcelona have got massive, massive financial issues that, um, you know, they saw this as a golden ticket to try and get themselves out of. But um, but no, I, I, I don't think we don't need... I don't, I don't see a situation where any of the English clubs could possibly, you know, try and relaunch this idea in the next year or two. No, and, and hopefully not. I think it was... Uh... The worst type of wake up call people could get was the the proposals and the breaking news banners coming across there not too long ago. And, you know, when Gary Neville's trending on your Twitter page that uh, something rather dramatic is happening. Um, But yeah, no, with regards even just to the season that's gone by, it's it's sometimes hard to talk about the football during COVID, like the actual on field play and the drama that's come with it, uh, with obviously all the the side attractions that have transpired over the last year or so. But like with regards to how the season's been, you look really City ran away with us. A lot of people maybe expected Liverpool and City to fight it out, but that was short-lived. Maybe United could challenge them. They maybe didn't have the quality. And you obviously had the manager uh, roundabouts where I suppose the biggest story probably would have been Frank Lampard sacking with Chelsea. Like when you look back at this season, I know there's still four or five games to be played and there's a hell of a lot to be played for at both ends of the table. 
Like, do you think it's been one of the more memorable seasons? Do you think it's, you know, really been affected by the lack of crowds or what have you made of it? Yeah, I I think it's probably been one of the worst Premier League seasons I can remember in terms of, I, I just haven't enjoyed watching football full stop, to be honest. I and mean, not just not just because Liverpool have, have struggled for, for long periods of it, but I, I, I just think football without the supporters played behind closed doors is very, very soulless. And um, yeah, it's, and uh, yeah, it, it's every, everything that is really special and enjoyable about Premier League football for me, just, you know, in terms of, you know, the atmosphere and just, you know, the way in which that we, you know, we've seen that the way it can affect the tempo and intensity of a game and just, you know, it, it's just been missing, hasn't it? And um it's to me it's just not proper football i can understand why the season has had to go ahead because you know from a financial viewpoint obviously the the media money is absolutely crucial the tv payments to to keep clubs heads above water but um yeah it's it, it's been a real slog and you know sometimes people say to me oh you're so lucky the fact that you've still been able to go to the games and <laughs> and I feel quite ungrateful, but I do say to them, you know, I've got to be honest with you. It's it's not particularly enjoyable, you know, sitting in a mm. in an empty stadium surrounded by fifty four thousand empty seats, and um, you know, at times it's been akin to watching training exercises rather than you know football at the absolute highest level. So um, yeah, it's just been a very very odd season, hasn't it? I think. Um, yeah. You know, when you when you look at it, you're right. You know, it wasn't that long ago we were saying, you know, oh, what a title race we've got. You know, it was wide open. Um, you know, it's hard to believe Liverpool were top of the league going into 2021, and um, you know, now sixth and and on the you know, I'm really up against it to even make the top four. And you know, City obviously started the season really poorly, and you know, it's again crazy to think now, but you have people questioning whether whether Guardiola was a um, you know, had lost his sparkle, and now yeah. you know they've they've absolutely run away with it. So, um, so yeah, I think um, yeah, it's 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 been better than nothing, I guess, in terms of it would have it would have left a big gap, I think, if if there'd been nothing to watch. But yeah, I am I am genuinely just looking forward to drawing a line under this season, and I think proper proper football comes back next season and, and I think the other thing with this season which I think has sapped the life and enjoyment that was left is is VAR as well just and you know you, I know you, you know, I'm sure we all get bored talking about it but it's it's just grim the way you know it's been yeah. it's been brought in so badly in terms of you know I must admit when it when it first came in I was in favor because I just thought well any, anything that like takes away the real shocking decisions and the real injustice and helps officials out and you know with the pace of the game being as quick as it is these days then that has to be a good thing but yeah how it's been put into practice is just I, I just you know when you when you look at that you know the, the red card that West Ham had last weekend and you know there's you know it's it, it's it's just it almost feels like you know, there wasn't an awful lot of enjoyment left watching football in empty grounds. And then VAR has done its absolute best to suck away those remaining few drops. So, um, yeah, I sincerely hope there's some proper changes made to the way that's administered before next season. 
Yeah, fingers crossed, because especially with fans there, I could only think, what, you know, 56,000 fans in a stadium, yes. how they'd react to it. And that, that's that's a valid point, especially with, like, VAR, as you said, the optimism was, listen, no terrible decisions are going to cost people, you know, top four places, massive knockout games or big Premier League games. But every single week, there's a manager given out or there's a shocking decision that's been analysed for 10 minutes by... Jamie Redknapp and Graeme Zunas to a T. So hopefully that's uh, done and dusted with the season coming up. And just last thing on the football side of things um, is just with regards to next season. I know a transfer window can change the the outlook of every single team, but you look at it on paper anyway. You look at City being obviously the team to topple. But I look at, say, a Chelsea team now with Tuchel, who's working wonders at the moment. I see a settled Man United team that could really progress. I see a Liverpool team that if they get the players back to where they need to be with an additional sign and, and one or two others, with obviously, hopefully, everything going according to plan, and we see fans back, do you think next season like could be a really exciting, really tough one? Because the one thing I was debating with my brothers, who are Arsenal and Leeds fans, is that the league is really missing. I know with City and Liverpool, it happened there a few years ago, but they're really missing a season where you've got four or five teams back, if you think, nine, ten years ago. There was always maybe three or four really top teams. Do you think the league needs that, where there's about four on the same kind of quality mark as opposed to just one or two uh, way ahead of the rest? Yeah, oh, it certainly does. I think... Um... Yeah, a hundred percent, and I, and, I, and I think there's a good chance it will have that next season. I think you're right. I, you know, I, I, I'd expect, um, you know, it, it to be a much, a much closer race, and you know, with those clubs that you mentioned, and and Liverpool to be part of that that conversation. I think, um, yeah, the only the only concern for me in terms of our Liverpool, you know, capable of bouncing straight back into that is that. Is I just think there is a lot for Klopp to sort out in terms of you know who stays, who goes, you know again you know investing the money shrewdly um, and and also you know the, the kind of the unknown in terms of you know are we going to have Van, Van Dyke back up to absolute you know peak Van Dyke by by the middle of August or will it take longer? The same with Gomez and Matip and um, so yeah, this is you know I don't I don't. I think you know there's there's such short termism in football these days, isn't it? Where people make sweet sweeping judgments, and you know, Klopp's finished, this team is finished, it needs an absolute complete rebuild, and when it's like, well, for a start, it's just completely unrealistic to think you're going to have a rebuild in in one in one window. Mm-hmm. Um, so so no, I think yeah, I'm 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 optimistic that it'll be a proper a proper race next season, and that I think I think the other thing that will massively help Liverpool next season is you know, touch wood, you know, with with stadiums back up to capacity and and no issues with that. I mean I I just can't wait to be at Anfield every week and because I think what we can guarantee is, you know, when you know, I think Liverpool fans appreciated fully, you know, the the, the kind of the the pleasure and the honour of going to Anfield, but I think being forced to stay away for as long as they have done would have just heightened that. And I just think, you know, those players, you know, regardless of falling short this season they they are going to be able to rely on absolute you know un, unwavering unequivocal vocal support from the opening day next season and um yeah i i think that will play a big part as well in 
in in lifting Liverpool back up into that higher echelon because they've still got too they've got too many good players and Klopp is far too good a manager for them to have another season like this one. No, and I agree completely. And fingers crossed, the crowd side of things comes to um, comes to the fore. Fingers crossed. And James, now that's uh, more or less the the juicy football chat. I normally just finish these with just a quick fire round of question, and then I can let you go enjoy um, the PSG City game, which hopefully will be um, a cracker. Please God. But um, if it's all right, I could just ask you four or five questions. Uh, they'll be quick enough. No problem. So, your Premier League Player of the Year thus far? Um, for Liverpool or across across the board? Across the board. Um, oh, do you know what? I was I was actually thinking about this the other day, and um, it's not there isn't really. I don't think there's an absolutely. Usually, each year there's like a, an absolutely nailed on candidate, isn't there? I think. Yeah. I think I think you'd have to give it to to someone at. At City, I think um, you know. I, I saw that Bruno Fernandes is is high up. I think in the in the odds for the the actual um, you know the PFA award. But um, yeah, I'd be I'd be tempted to 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 give it to someone like uh, you know Ruben Diaz maybe at City. Just I think you know he's had a very good season. Yeah, no, anyone who can can keep uh, Laporte out of a team is uh, doing something right. From a playing perspective, and I, again, this is the whole league included, the biggest letdown, and that could be a new signing or it could be actually a player who'd already been at the club. Um, oh, biggest letdown of the season. Um, I'm trying to think who... I mean, yeah, I mean, I, th- I, think, I, think, I think in terms of... I, I think you'd, you'd, you'd probably have to say... Someone like Jose Mourinho, in terms of having a bad season, in terms of <laughs> managing to yeah. managing to you know to again alienate people, you know, drag the mood down, you know, in a in a in mod in a modern. I just think he's almost this season has almost proven that he's he's yesterday's man. Really, I think people are just sick of. I think they're sick of two things really. They're sick of I think of his brand of football. Um, you know, it's dour, it's defensive. People don't enjoy watching it, especially when you, you look at the most successful teams in the recent years have, have been the ones who have played much more expansively. And I think all the stuff that that goes with him off the field in terms of having a go at people and the sideshows and trying to deflect attention away from his own personal failings. So um so yeah, there was a lot of talk at one point, wasn't there, that you know was this the re-emergence of Mourinho, you know, as as an absolute elite level manager? But I think, I actually think this season has it has almost shown that those days are, are well and truly behind him. Unfortunately, but sure, we'll wait and see on that front where he ends up next. And second last question, and this can be either at a game or on the television or wherever it may be. But the strangest thing you've seen this season. <laughs> um, Apart from an empty Anfield, obviously. Yeah, the, str- the strangest thing I've seen, probably Everton winning at Anfield, would be the strangest <laughs> thing I've seen all season. I was hoping, I was hoping I'd be able to go through life having never seen it, having because um, I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd never actually, I'd probably been to, must be, t- oh, oh, certainly twenty-five Merseyside derbies at Anfield and. 
and um, I'd never seen never seen Liverpool lose one. So um, yeah, I think in a in a season of of body blows, that was that was right up there because um, a, a, again the the wounds were were self inflicted. Mm. And last but not least, a bit more of a positive ending to proceedings. What is your your own personal uh, favorite football and memory? Um, favorite football and memory. I, I think. Do you know what? I think in a season, in a, in a season where there hasn't been much to kind of like lift lift your spirits, I, th- I think it's. I, I've taken most satisfaction from seeing, you know, how much this season has meant to to some of those on the on the fringes of Liverpool's squad who have had had opportunities that they that they you know just really really weren't expecting. So I, you know, I'm thinking about. You know the, the big smile on Curtis Jones's face when he scores the winner against Ajax at home in the the Champions League group stage. I'm you know I'm thinking about you know Nat Phillips and and the look on his face when he's lining up against Real Madrid in the Champions League. And um, yeah, those I think it's just moments like that that kind of like yeah that just make you you know take a step back and go actually yeah do you know what there's still some there's still there's still some great little tales and memories from. From this season, it's not—it's not everything that you just want to banish to the back of your your memory and never think about again. Yeah, fair enough. Well, listen, James, I uh, want to thank you for coming on and chatting things, uh, chatting all things football, I should say. And I know there's five games to be covered, and hopefully, let's you know pray for a miracle. And the miracle we've hoped would happen all season that hasn't quite happened, but you never know. Manchester United always a good place to start, anyway. But I uh, just want to thank you for coming on and having a chat and listen, I wish you well. And as I said, enjoy the rest of the season. And hopefully you're not sitting in an anfield on your own for much longer. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. Good to speak to you, Richie. Take care.